You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. I've really enjoyed this series. If you would, open your Bible to uh, John. We'll look at chapter 15, the first 11 verses. And today we're going to talk about the true vine. We have been talking about Jesus, the seven I am statements that Jesus used in his own words. We've already looked at Jesus is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the shepherd, the good shepherd. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And today we are going to look at the true vine. And we're going to see a word throughout that's so important in this scripture. And I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but it's used 10 different times. Now listen, in doing this today, understand that seven times, again, in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the same name God used to introduce himself to Moses. And this is how he introduced himself to Moses. I am. And in using that name, he was declaring his deity and revealing what he does. So today we come to chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. And as the true vine, Jesus produces certain things in our life. So let's look at the first 11 verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If I abide in me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Remember that I have said throughout this series, context is important in understanding what Jesus means when he makes these statements. Jesus and his disciples, if you remember, had just been in the upper room where they had observed the Passover meal that Jesus had instituted. And his disciples were there, and he washed their feet. You remember that. And then he identified his betrayer, Judas, and prepared them for what was about to take place, which was the crucifixion and resurrection. In John 14, 31, Jesus said, Rise, let us go here. Now, where did they go? Well, we get an idea where they went from John 18, 1. It says, When Jesus 
had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. So having left the upper room, they headed toward the brook Kidron, which ran through the Kidron Valley that separated the city of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And in that familiar valley grew various kinds of vines. Perhaps they saw the flicker of flames from the fires in which the branches that had been pruned, we read about that, were burned. It was in that setting that Jesus utters another jaw-dropping statement as he again declared his deity and revealed what he does. Now, when Jesus said, I am the true vine, the minds of his disciples raced back to the Old Testament because Israel had for years prided itself in being the vine of God. In fact, over the main entrance to the temple there today was a detailed carved gold leaf symbol of vine, branches, and grapes. As people entered into the temple, the symbol of the vine, branches, and grapes would remind them of their special calling and of their heritage. In Isaiah 5, God describes Israel as his vineyard. And in Jeremiah 2, he says he planted a choice vine. Then in the book of Psalm, chapter 80, verses 8 and 9, it says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. By Jesus declaring that he was the true vine, listen, when he says that, he is saying that he is taking the place of Israel. I am the true vine. A relationship with God was no longer made possible through the nation of Israel, but through Christ. He was the true vine. So when Jesus said, I am the true vine, the genuine vine, the real vine, he was declaring that there was hope in him. It was no longer in their heritage, but in an intimate relationship and fellowship with him and him alone. And in the next few verses, he shows us what being a branch connected through the true vine produces in your life. And we're going to look at five things. The first thing is he gives us life. Now, are you thankful for life? Three of you are. Are you thankful for life? Thank you. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now you understand that Jesus was a master storyteller. And well versed in using analogies and illustrations. He used everyday objects that he knew that we would understand to make an important point and teach an eternal lesson. Here, he uses the imagery of a vine to teach this lesson. An imagery of vine and branches. This is something we can all understand. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, all of us can immediately imagine a grapevine. How many of you have ever seen a Scuppernong vine. You know what scuppernong is? See, somebody gave me those eyes like that. You never, that's good stuff. What about muscadine vines? 
In the South, that's what we have, okay? We don't really grow a lot of grapes, you know. But listen, sometimes you may see that in people's yards. And you can imagine the vine that grows up from the ground and the branches that bear fruit that are attached to the vine. In other words, the branches draw their life from the vine. If they are not attached to the vine, they have no life. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. Now, this word abide is a significant and very important spiritual term. In fact, it's the key word in this entire passage. Now, I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. That's what I use most of the time. And if you go back in those 11 verses, you will count abide 10 times. What does it mean to abide? It means simply to keep in fellowship with Christ so that His life can work in and through us to produce fruit. Understand, Jesus can never do a work through you until, first of all, He has done a work in you. Do we understand that this morning? It means that we draw our strength and our spiritual life from the source of the vine. The abiding relationship is natural to the branch and the vine, but it must be cultivated in the Christian life. It's not automatic. You see, abiding in Christ demands worship, meditation, and God's Word, and prayer, and sacrifice, and service. But what a joyful experience it is. Now, some of you ladies like flowers, right? And you want your husbands to come home from time to time and give you a nice bouquet of flowers just to show that they love you. And ladies, that's all right if you want that. And men, you need to do that from time to time. But ladies, do you understand that as soon as those flowers are cut, they die? So what you really need to understand, they're just bringing you home a bunch of dead flowers. Okay? And let those things hang around for a month or so, and you'll know it for sure. I told Lori many years ago, I said, Honey, if you want to show your love to me, just bring me some golf balls. Now, my golf balls don't die, but I hit them in places that you wouldn't find. You know what I mean? True story about the golf balls. That, that brings up an old story because I was in college, and she brought me something really pretty that day. I said, Honey, I love you, but, you know, this little teddy bear and this balloon, if you want to bring me something, bring me golf balls. I just got myself in trouble again. But anyway... But you got to tell a woman what you want. Just, just tell it, right? Listen, Jesus promises to give us life. When we trust in Christ, we are grafted in the true vine and given life. Our life comes from our relationship with Christ. Do you understand this morning? Without Christ, there is no life. In Christ, we find life, and here's that word again, we find life abundantly. So first thing is, He gives us life. But secondly, He forgives our sin. Anybody thankful of that this morning? Amen. Jesus uses an interesting phrase in verse 3. He says, already you are clean. Why? Because of the word I have spoken to you. Back in the upper room. When Jesus was preparing to wash the disciples' feet, he told Peter, 
In John 13, 10, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. Now, what did Jesus mean by this? Well, you remember in those days they wore sandals. And you understand the roads back then were not concrete and pavement. They were just dust and they were just nasty and they would walk from place to place. So by the time you arrived at someone's house, your body was still clean, but your feet were not because they had picked up some dirt along the way. So Jesus wasn't talking about physical dirt. He was talking about spiritual dirt. That's why Jesus said to Peter back in verse 8, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. In other words, listen, as long as you have dirty feet, as long as you have spiritual dirt, you cannot have fellowship with me. So back to John 15 verse 3. Now Jesus says you are already clean. He uses the same word in Revelations 19.8 to describe the believer's robe in heaven. He says, you are already clean. What does he mean? By his cross, we have been made clean. By his blood, we have been made clean. By his sacrifice, we have been made clean. We have been saved and clean by grace through faith for good works. That's our position before God. Isaiah 1.18 Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Look at the book of Colossians. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. It's not that we're, we're trying to become clean to get saved. We are clean because we are saved. We've already had a bath. Once bathed, always bathed. Amen. Get it? Amen. Amen. There you go. Once saved, always saved. Once bathed, always bathed. Do you know what breaks our connections to the vine? Dirty feet. And boy, some of us have got some stinky feet, don't we? Huh? It's the dirt we pick up along the journey. But that doesn't mean we need another bath. We just need our feet rinsed off. We don't need to be saved again. Once saved, always saved. We just need daily forgiveness. You say, Al, how do I get rid of the dirt that I picked up walking through this world? Well, you just go back to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. How many of our sins? All of our sins. All of our unrighteousness. Listen, the cleanse us from all of it. Do you know why so many believers are missing out on the blessing and favor of God? Here's why. They had their heads full of doctrine, but their feet are dirty. So first, he gives us life. And second, he forgives our sin. And third, he supplies our power. See, we love to quote Philippians 4.13, don't we? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But we rarely quote the verse here that says, apart from me, you can do what? 
squat. You can do nothing. When we are connected to the true vine, He supplies all the power that we ever need. But apart from Christ, we have no power at all. Look at verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now remember, this word abide reminds us of a very important spiritual principle. It describes how a branch, a branch is connected to the vine. In fact, they're so closely connected that you can't tell where the vine starts and the branch starts, or where the branch starts and the vine, or where the branch ends and where the vine ends. You can't do it. They're just grafted. It means that you are connected with Christ. And that's why in verse 8 it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear fruit. No, much fruit, much fruit. And so prove to be what? My disciples, a follower of Christ, a Christian. Have you ever heard people talk about being well-connected? I hear people talk sometimes and say, man, I've got connections. You've heard people say that. Or they know, listen, or they know the right people. They have the right friends in high places. They're connected. What do they mean? Well, they're saying that they know people who know people and they can get things done. They're going to get what they want. Sometimes it's hard to get things done if you don't have connections. Connections can make all the difference. You know, one of the hardest things about moving, and God knows Lori and I have done that a lot, but we've been here, you know, nearly eight years. And, you know, when you come to a new place, you have to find a new doctor. God knows I need one about every week. <laughs> a new dentist, a new mechanic, right? All these things. And, boy, you, you try to connect with people, Right? So you can find out who's good and who's bad, where to go, where not to go, who you can trust and who not to trust. It's about having connections. Connections can make all the difference. When it comes to producing fruit, the secret is being well connected. Just as a branch can't produce fruit apart from the vine, you and I cannot produce spiritual fruit apart from Christ. Jesus wants us to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. What is this fruit we are to develop? Well, I've preached on it before. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So this is what our lives will look like when we are connected to the right power source. Number four, he answers our prayers. Now, we like this verse. Man, this is where I want to really park for a while. We love what we hear in verse seven. You see, when we first read it, it sounds like God is going to give us everything we want when we pray, no matter what we ask for. There are many believers who take this verse out of context and use this way to say, we can force God to give us anything we pray for. That's not at all what Jesus is saying here. If, y'all see that word? 
If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Here's our problem when it comes to this verse. We read the last part without reading the first part. We love the part that says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But we forget about the part that says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. That is a big if. And you've heard me say throughout this series, out of John 10, verses 27 and 28, my sheep hear my voice, and they what? Follow me. Then no one can pluck you out of my hand. If we just go and say, well, Jesus said no one can pluck you out of my hand. Well, they can't if you're following him, if you know him. But you have to know him first. We do the same thing with one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Did he mean what he said? Can we believe that God will answer our prayers? Can we ask, expect, and him answer? Can we expect God to do what we want? Let's break this down for a moment. First, who is you? He is speaking to those who are abiding in Christ. To those who draw their strength and support from the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. Secondly, there's a big if here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So, as I yield my life to his will and surrender my life to him, my wants and desires begin to change. You see, when you get saved, some of you who've maybe been saved recently, you understand that you must change your playground. You can't go back to the same places and do the same things. You've heard me say many things like this before, many times, that the dog that wins in the fight is the one you feed the most. So what are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh? Are you feeding Jesus, the Christ-like life. What are you doing? But when we draw our life from him, he begins producing fruit in and through us. All we will want is what he wants. Nothing more and nothing else. No wonder he promises to do what we desire because he changes our desire to match his desire. You see, you pray for things that now matter to him. You pray for things that now focus on Him. You pray for things that now please Him. Last thing I want you to see, He fulfills our joy. Now, I want you to hear me this morning. Jesus always delivers what He promises. Jesus always delivers what He promises. When we abide in Him, He produces joy in our lives. There is no greater evidence that Jesus is alive and that he saves than a born-again, spirit-filled, abiding, joyful Christian. Don't you realize that every member of this church is in public relations? You are an advertisement for Jesus, and you are an advertisement for his church. Jesus promises joy. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may 
be full. Now, this is a very, very powerful statement. Jesus brings us joy that the world cannot provide. He gives us joy that is full. The word, this word means complete. It gives the idea of being filled to the brim. We can be full of joy when we abide in Christ. You see, most people who call themselves Christians don't have much joy at all. I mean, many Christians act like they have been baptized in vinegar and weaned on a dill pickle if you look at them sometimes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Jesus promises joy. How many of you have ever had to buy tires for your vehicle? Thought you could just get a few extra miles out of those bald tires? You know, I've had to do that before, but, you know, one tire had a problem. It had a slow leak, and I couldn't fix it, and, man, I've just tried to fix it a few times, and even had someone to help me with it, and it seems like no matter where I went, at home, at church, wherever it may be, at the store, everywhere, trust me, it did not give me much joy at all, especially when I had to buy a new tire, especially if you buy Michelin's, amen? But I got to thinking, some Christians are like that when it comes to joy. They're always flat. Everywhere they go, they lose their joy. They run here, there, and everywhere to try to get refilled, but they never fix the leak. They're not plugging the hole. So let me close. The very last verse in today's passage says that we can have joy. Jesus spoke these words in Hebrews 12 too, just hours before he was arrested and tortured and executed on a cross. Hebrews 12 too tells us that for the joy that, set, that was set before him, who he, Jesus, endured the cross, despising the shame. He knew he had hard things in his future. He knew his followers had hard things in their future. So he was not promising some prosperous, healthy, luxurious life. He was offering something better, just like he's offering today, joy. There's just no better word for it. Because when we remain in Christ and we find ourselves doing things that we can never do on our own. It's the most complete kind of joy we can ever have in this life. As our praise team comes, I want you to hear this verse again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You need to understand their conditions. There are always conditions. After this series is over, I'm going to do a series called Miracles. Do, does anybody in here believe that Jesus really performs miracles today? Just say it. You really believe it? Do you really believe he could heal the physical sick? Emotionally drained? Spiritually sick? He can, can he? And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some miracles. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you ahead of time, I think God is going to perform some miracles. I don't know what that is. But I want you to understand he's not going to do it if you don't abide in him. you got to understand he does answer prayer. And I know for some people that I'm praying for right now that I want to see God heal them from dreaded diseases right now, right here on this earth. He doesn't always do that. 
We know that the ultimate healing comes in heaven. But I'm telling you, I really believe that God wants to do those types of miracles. But it's going to be us believing, us living with Christ inside of us. I really believe that with all my heart. You're here today, and you're struggling whatever it is in your life. You just need a good emotional healing. You need spiritual healing. If you need physical healing, you just need to call to the one who does it all. You understand he has conquered death. He has conquered the grave. And there's only one name under heaven that can save you, and that is Jesus. That big old guy right there, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you just need to come to the altar or just need to come to one of us pastors and pray, maybe you need to follow in baptism like one of these two ladies today. Maybe you just need to be obedient to that. Maybe you don't know the Lord as your Lord and Savior today and you need to come and pray a prayer of salvation with one of us pastors today. Whatever it may be today, this altar will be open. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your promises. Father, my prayer is today that for those who have struggled or maybe gotten away from you, that have not been abiding in you, that God today, they would choose to do so. Lord, for those who don't know you, that God today would be the day of their salvation. And Father, for others here today who have just been saved, but Lord, they haven't followed in baptism, that God, they would change that course today. And that God, they would just continue to follow you, but God, also to do that first step of obedience after they were saved, and that is to follow in believer's baptism. Lord, for whatever it may be today, we would ask that, Lord, they would follow and be obedient. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.